Okay, I think we're good. We are good. Here we go. Heyo, I'm CK and you're listening to Practice. I'm your functional systems integrator, and this is my podcast where practice is not just the theme of the show, but the whole purpose behind it. What started out as a practice of podcasting, as well as speaking in general, has evolved into a practice of self-coaching and self-reflection while espousing half-thoughts and providing unsolicited advice. As always, I'm fortunate to be joined by my practice partner and partner in life, Pam. Hey, that's me. Pam is also my Pattern Awareness Manager, and every Sunday we reflect on the past week and my progress with this practice, along with other lifestyle practices, as well as theories and ideas behind the virtues of practice itself. We're doing this on the fly, so don't hold me responsible for what I say here. Make sure to check out my show notes, where I'll provide some fact-checking, self-psychoanalysis, and commentary on things I could have done better. You may find this and more information about this project at forcesofequal.com slash practice. We're recording today on Sunday, October 25th of 2020, and this is our 35th practice <laughs> session. For and sure. I believe I have that correct this week. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll go right ahead and recite the quote for today. And I'm not sure if I'll be able to loop this in throughout the theme of today's session because I jotted this down during the middle of the week and I've had a lot of other thoughts towards the end of the week. So we'll see how it goes. But this comes from the Stoic philosopher Marcus Aurelius, who we've quoted before. He was the arguably the greatest Roman emperor of all time. And the quote goes like this. It's like seeing roasted meat and other dishes in front of you and suddenly realizing this is a dead fish, a dead bird, a dead pig, or that this noble vintage wine is rotted grapes, perceptions like that, latching onto things and piercing through them to see what they really are, to strip away the legend that encrusts them. And again, that's by Marcus Aurelius. And I think that quote spoke to me early in the week because it goes along with a lot of what we've talked about in terms of how such things as language and our experiences shape our reality and our perceptions and how we as humans categorize and put boundaries on certain things whereas in reality these things are not as structured or defined and you know certain people may define it or perceive one thing differently than other things so that's basically how the quote spoke to me and i, I can see that that the idea of everything being on a spectrum that we've talked about before and the duality of everything like you could look at the roast and see it as a dead cow mm -hmm. and be repulsed by that or mm -hmm. you can look at it as a roast and see look at the roast see it as a dead cow and then honor the cycle of life and be yeah. like um 
appetized by that and right and the, it's the exact same thing but which totally. side you look at totally changes your perspective on it totally and on that same note we as humans in our modern society we've become very mindless about what we eat mm-hmm. so i mean in talking about our diets specifically we you know just eat what's in front of us or we we've developed a pattern or habit of eating certain things in a certain way and so we don't really think about it oftentimes in our work lives say during our lunchtime we may hurry out and grab something to eat just for the sake of sustenance or to curb our hunger whereas you know these things that we eat come from somewhere and someone has procured them mm-hmm. and there's story and a history behind them and so much more that we often just neglect and don't even think about mm-hmm. so we've come to regard food as just this thing that we do that we eat and you know we come to regard eating as this thing that we just do and we have to do and it's just something that is pretty much automatic mm-hmm. in our lives so yeah that's another perspective to take in terms of more mindful eating and paying more regard to where our food comes from the work that is put into getting that food onto the plate on our tables mm-hmm. and you know just being mindful in that sense has cascading effects in terms of even our metabolism and one of the things that i like to espouse is to take a huge sniff of your food before you eat it and you know just doing that prepares your body for digestion and something along the lines of uh, up to 30% or so of our digestion begins before we even start eating so some yeah, there's some studies that have uh, exemplified that or proved that and you know in terms of uh our the uh saliva the chemicals that um, get produced in our saliva oh, I, i'm forgetting the name <laughs> well yeah you got to get those enzymes going the right. um like is it like sucrase or something like that that starts the sugar digestion yeah um, are we gonna do this again <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's not but okay <laughs> I, I think uh I, I think i've given the general idea yeah. but yeah so it's all it all comes down to being mindful and uh having perspective and realizing that things are on a spectrum and trying to get away from this binary thinking of this or that or i mean in this case it's not even binary it's almost unit unitary <laughs> thinking <laughs> or not even thinking it's mindless 
Or it's it's micro versus macro. Like you're just thinking about like this bag of chips in front of you and you're not thinking about everything that goes. System. Yeah, the whole system. Or like if we go back to talking about meat, like, you know, you're talking you're buying a package of hamburger and having no idea where that came from instead mm-hmm. of thinking about the farm workers and, you know, underpaid people or, you right. know, the entire system, the health of the animal. Like there's so much to to think about that goes into that. Yeah, exactly. And even further along those lines, it's the separation of product and labor that we've come into in our modern society where we pay for our food and we get our food. So we don't really pay mind to what we're paying for or where our money goes to in terms of how that translates from what we're getting. And so... Yeah, like you were saying, there's farmers involved or the uh, workers in the field or the whole production line in terms of even shipment and, yeah. you know, all that stuff. So, yeah, I would challenge listeners to, you know, think about how much of that they've thought of every time they've sat down for a meal and... Just start out by taking a huge smell, sniff of your food before you eat. And just that will hopefully help you become more mindful. And if not, it'll help you digest your food better. (laughs) People who are religious would um, probably... find the action of saying grace before they eat as like a familiar um, thing to relate that to, that you're taking a minute to appreciate the food on your table and where it came from. And we're obviously not religious, but you can still use that moment before you eat. Right. Yeah. And in fact, it's, it comes down to reflecting on your food and it's a process of reflection. So as you know, we're all about reflection and Mm self-reflection. And whether you're religious or not, you can use religion as some sort of reflective practice. So, yeah, that's how that quote spoke to me. And let's catch up on how we feel and how our week went. Uh, Do you want to start? Um, Sure. So my week went pretty well. Uh, I think I said last week that I was feeling uh, more creative energy and just kind of mentally more able to take on more than the like bare minimum so that Mm -hmm. continued throughout the week and um, i had a final that i had kind of hanging over my head for the astrology class that i'm taking right now Mm -hmm. and i finally this uh week went and and did it and had no idea how long it was going to be the previous Mm -hmm. finals have been like 25 questions so Mm -hmm. i logged in and went to take it it was 76 questions and i kind of panicked because as a perfectionist i want to get 100%, even though it totally does not matter. It's like pass-fail. You have to get 75% of the questions right. So, Mm. I can totally do that and still pass the class, but I get, Mm. I definitely get test anxiety. So, um, I did it and I got 100%. (laughs) So, pretty excited about that. Um, Yeah. And we went for a run this morning. Yeah. I went for two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I, you went for a mile. While I was going through my morning routine, and I extended my run from last weekend, my run of one third of a mile, and mm-hmm. I doubled that to two thirds today, 
And so you joined me for that as well. Mm-hmm. So you ran a total of one and two thirds miles. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so how'd that feel? Good. Yeah, I'm uh, not as tired as I expected to be because you know we kind of pushed pretty hard for me on the second run. And yeah, I was uh, feeling pretty good. So I went. Yeah, I went a pretty good sleep speed. I, yeah. Um, and my hip did really well, so um, I had a couple of twinges in there, but overall it did well and I was able to find the right position, I think, to be in, in a much better stride and, and cadence and mm-hmm. um, positioning. So that's good. Cool. How about you? Yeah, I'm feeling great and uh, it's just kind of adding on to last week and last week's run and the great feeling I felt from that. And yeah, my body feels good. I did a little soft tissue work in my morning routine this morning and my body feels good and loose and it feels straight and aligned. And I I do feel a difference when I run. I feel like I'm using my body more efficiently, which is just crazy to me because I've been working on my stride for probably almost 10 years now. And yeah, I, I, I mean, whenever I run, I'm always mindful of how I breathe and how my stride is and my footfall and all that. And it's just crazy to me that after ten about 10 years of doing that, that I'm still finding areas to improve. And I... It, it's crazy. Like my, it's crazy how I feel. Like, how good I feel, and it. I kind of. Uh, I also started touching the soccer ball again this past week, and before I injured my toe and before the whole pandemic, I was very active with soccer, and I would take about uh, twenty five hundred touches a day on the soccer ball. And that was part of my pre-dinner routine. And it it sounds like a lot, but it just takes me about 15 minutes. And I'm just doing drills and getting uh, about 2,500 touches on the ball. And in like youth soccer systems, I believe they try to get their players touching the ball at least 10,000 times a day. (laughs) And that uh, if I kind of calculate that out from what I'm doing, it's probably at least an hour. Mm-hmm. And I don't have time to do that <laughs> as much as I'd like to. But yeah, so I had the habit of doing that. And now I'm starting back into that. Although I'm not up to 2,500. I'm just doing uh, about a minute or two to start out with because I don't want to be doing too much too soon. Mm-hmm. But I'm feeling good when I do it. And it's kind of gotten me back into wanting to play soccer. Although I'm not, you know, I don't feel like I have to go out and play, at, you know, while this pandemic's going on. Like, I, it's not that enticing to me. I mean, of course, I love to play and I would love to compete and interact with my teammates and all that stuff. But I don't feel like it's necessary for me to do that. But I'm kind of talking about this because... Uh, I guess a couple months after the pandemic started and I was injured and, you know, I stopped playing and then there weren't, you know, the league stopped and everything. So I kind of thought that 
this was my retirement. Mm-hmm. Like I was getting comfortable with the fact that, you know, I'll probably always play at a recreational level, but I was starting to get comfortable with the fact that I don't need to compete so hard anymore. And at my age of 40, it's not, it's probably not as practical to be training so hard and trying to be on the level of 20 year olds. But now with this newfound energy and alignment and integration that I'm feeling, I kind of feel like I have this like extra power to be better than I was before. And is that mental or is that from going back to the foundational movements that you've added in to get your body in shape? I think it's more about the foundational movements and how it's making my body feel and how it's making me feel. Like I feel like I have all these new resources that I want to try out and see how far it takes me and how much better I could be than I was before. Like one of the things is, uh, so what I've been finding out is that I feel like I haven't integrated my posterior chain properly. And that's kind of what I'm improving on right now. And I'm feeling so much more power in my glutes and my hamstrings. And I thought I pretty much maxed that out over the past couple years because I've been working on that and I've been mindful of that. But with these latest alignment practices and movements and postures that I've been taking up, I feel like I'm engaging the posterior chain even more and I'm feeling more alignment and more integration and more power. And I feel like I'm finally using the right muscles at the right time. And it's like my body's just kind of falling into that proper movement system. And I'm so I I used to if I'm if I think back, I used to have pretty good hops. Like I was never like the well, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I was one of the best jumpers when I was in school and I did compete in the high jump mm-hmm. when I was in junior high and I loved that and I was I was good at it. But um these uh let's say like 5 or so years ago when I started competing in soccer again very competitively I found that I my my vertical was so weak <laughs> and and it was uh, like I don't think it was that noticeable to others but to me being one of the tallest people on the field usually at 6'2 and you know supposing to have a height advantage like I felt like I couldn't jump over people like I should have been able to (laughs) and now I'm kind of realizing that I don't think I was connecting that posterior chain properly and I feel like I have that connection now so that's just kind of a proxy to illustrate how I'm feeling the connections happening 
and that's you know that cascades down to running and every other movement basically so i have some inclination to get out there and compete and see how i i compare to my peers or even the youngsters so i don't know i had that in the back of my mind but at the same time of course with the pandemic i'm not you know i i don't feel like i have to go out and do that but i do feel like this uh, new energy in terms of competing again. So, cool. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> well, we have an um, old video of you jumping up onto the picnic table at the park. So, maybe we yeah. need to go back over there and have you jump on it again and see how you've improved. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still need to <laughs> practice the movement a little more, but I feel like there's structure and a functional foundation behind it now where I can actually improve properly. So yeah, I don't know where that'll take me, but that's kind of where my mindset around that is at right now. Cool. And in other news, this past week has been a very experimental week for me. And I changed up a couple things and one of the major things is I abstained from cannabis the entire week so yeah today would be a full week which I probably vaped cannabis every single day for over a year now and I'm I'm pretty disciplined in terms of my usage of cannabis and I do think it's a wonder drug and it has a ton of benefits but I also don't want to fall into a habit of using it or depending on it and so I, I do my best to regulate my usage of it but I was finding that I wasn't able to fall asleep so that's the main reason that I use it every day is before bed or before bedtime, I'd take a hit or two and it would allow me to fall asleep and have a good night of sleep, like uh, like clockwork. And, uh, um, I, you know, I've experimented with not using it and I've had issues and, you know, most of the time I'd be able to fall asleep, but sometimes I'd have issues. So I resorted to you know using it every night just so because i knew it it would work mm -hmm. and the past couple weeks it got to the point where it wasn't really working anymore and i was still staying up and i wasn't getting to bed at the time that i wanted to and i was having trouble falling asleep and i started getting into that cycle of using it more and more to try to get it to be more effective. So I feel like I was gaining a high tolerance to it and it wasn't as effective. So I decided to abstain from it for a while and I, I know what happens. So what happens when you use it regularly is that your receptors, you have uh, the main receptors for cannabis is called CB1 and CB2. And I believe CB1 is the main one for THC. And 
the more you use THC regularly, the more you consume it regularly, the more tolerant you get to it and your CB1 receptor becomes desensitized and downregulates and it's, you know, then the THC becomes less effective. So there's studies that show that even just after a day or two of abstinence, your CB receptors start coming back and becoming more effective. And there's varying lengths of time in terms of uh, like a total reset. I've seen anywhere from two to four weeks. And I'm sure it depends on the individual. So my I, I'm shooting for two weeks right now. But I thought I would have more trouble in terms of not using it. And uh, I did have, I probably did have some withdrawal symptoms the first couple days. I was a bit moody. And especially the first night, I feel like I, so the first night I, we have a massage chair that I like to use. Yeah. Yeah. And I stand up all day. I uh, have a standing workstation and that first day I felt like my body getting tight. So I, I feel like maybe not using it that first day, my body was kind of feeling it and it was maybe more anxious, like it wasn't as relaxed as usual. Do you use it throughout the day? Sometimes. Um, yeah, I'll use, uh, sometimes I'll use... CBD during the day if I'm feeling stressed or anxious or but that would be that wouldn't be the same as what you're talking about with the THC no but in terms of like anxiety or uh, like you know sympathetic reactions so are you not using CBD right now either you're abstaining from everything yeah I'm abstaining from everything okay so I'm wondering if for whatever reason, my body was kind of feeling that and was just kind of tightening up or something subconsciously. So I, I felt really tired from standing up all day. And so I was looking forward to sitting in the massage chair and it didn't work that night for whatever reason. And so I was like super pissed and got moody and yeah, I mean, uh, I probably haven't gotten in that kind of mood in a while. Yeah. So, yeah, and I, I would most likely attribute that to withdrawal from the cannabis. So I, I, I do think I felt some withdrawal effects, but I improved throughout the week. And mm-hmm. now I feel like, like I don't, I'm not craving it at all. Not that I really craved it the first couple of days anyway, other than wanting my body to be relaxed, but I, I wasn't necessarily necessarily craving the cannabis. I just wanted a massage. Yeah. And and it's not craving the cannabis as much as craving getting rid the of the problems. Yeah. For yeah. like, yeah, getting the result. Right, right. And so... Yeah, now I don't see a problem with abstaining from it another week, and maybe I'll go even further. But the interesting thing is that, like I said, I regulate my usage 
very tightly. So usually my usage of it is before my afternoon nap and before I go to bed at night. And I kind of feel like that high feeling during those times still, (laughs) even after a week of not using it. So it's like my endocannabinoid system, my internal cannabinoid system is still activating during those times to fulfill that cycle or rhythm or yeah i don't yeah it's weird because i i do feel like i feel like when i vape but i don't <laughs> I, I i haven't done it for the past week but i kind of still do feel a similar feeling to when i do during the times that i usually do it Maybe you're just finally getting on my team of understanding how amazing sleep is and wanting to do it all the time. <laughs> well, no, I'm already on that team. <laughs> but it's just actually being able to do it that I've had struggles with in the past. But yeah, I, I found that interesting. And I looked for some studies this morning to see if there's anything around that based on abstinence after a lot of continued usage, a lot of regular usage, but I haven't really found anything. Not that I had a chance to look very deeply into it yet, but there, I did skim through one study that was from like 2017 about cannabis withdrawal. And there was a line about something about cues from cannabis after withdrawing from it and i'm not i couldn't find what they meant by these cues so i don't know if they meant that they were you know like presenting pictures of cannabis to the participants or you know i don't know what they meant by it but whatever the cues were apparently the serum level of the thc rose when the participants were given these cues and it was just the cues. They weren't using the THC or ingesting just it. Just you know. Pavlovian pot. Yeah. So I wonder if that, like, uh, maybe the time, some like the time is some sort of cue for my body system or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I found that really interesting. And even a week after I stopped using it, I'm feeling the effects. So it could be... In my mind, it could be placebo. I don't know, but I just find that interesting. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's all I had to say about that. I just it was a pretty experimental week on that front. And on that note, I've been very much on a creative kick, and. I've been able to let go of stuff and just kind of work on creating a lot more this past week. And I'm, I feel like I'm kind of finally starting to transition into that creative, um, what's the word? I don't know, creative mindset, I guess. Okay. More. And I'm having a lot of fun 
with what I'm doing with music and the gear that I have. And this stuff is just amazing. And I'm very close to releasing stuff. And I did some social media yesterday. You did some social media. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what kind? Well, so I started a new account and it's for my music stuff. And it's under Disco Bleep. And I'm on Instagram right now. And I believe I shared that Instagram to my personal Facebook. But I'm still off of Facebook. I, I, like, Facebook's changed so much, I don't even know what's going on. So all I see are those red badges. <laughs> and my numbers are like, get 50 and 60. And I don't even want to click on them to see <laughs> what's behind them. And I like I don't even know how to navigate Facebook anymore. So I don't even I, I try not to even look at it unless I have to. And when I do, I don't look at my newsfeed or anything or my notifications or anything. So I just kind of posted my Disco Bleep Instagram post to my Facebook just to let people know that I'm alive and I'm doing stuff and there's stuff going on. So it, I just kind of planted the seed. And it's interesting because my Disco Bleep Instagram account is kind of bare. It's empty and there's nothing on it. I don't think I, I, th I think I did put my name on there, but there's no profile picture or anything. And which is quite a departure for me because as a marketer, I know that you want to have a complete profile and you want to have a good bio and all that stuff. And I, Surprisingly, now I'm not so preoccupied with all that. And it's more like I want to just assert myself and get my stuff out there and kind of share these new creative things that I'm doing. And so I'm less concerned with the objective marketing aspect of social media and now I'm more comfortable with just kind of putting stuff out there and expressing my creative self. You don't think that having your photo on there would be expressing yourself? It feels like not having a photo or identification on there is a way to hide. I just haven't had time. I don't like, I don't, I, it takes time to do all that stuff. And so it wasn't an intentional decision of like, I'm not going to show people that this is me or brand it to myself no 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 no, not okay. at all it's just i mean all i did was post a picture yesterday and it took me about an hour to do it <laughs> why just to sign up for these accounts and like navigate like instagram looks different now and like the sharing sequence is different now so i had to figure all that stuff out <laughs> so you should have just gone to tiktok yeah, uh, yeah, TikTok looks fun, so I, I'm, <laughs> I might try to figure that out soon. But yeah, it's just kind of interesting to think about how different my mindset is toward this kind of thing and sharing things on social media because before I was very, oh, what's the word? I. I was very meticulous and um, you were perfectionistic. You would you would take hours to create yeah. a social post. 
Yeah. yeah. And it'd be very curated and yeah. it would have to be exactly what I wanted to p- portray. Mm-hmm. And I there's so much thought put into it and I didn't want to deal with that kind of thing anymore. So So yeah, we'll see where that goes and I am very close to finishing up my main priority that's kind of been that I've kind of been preoccupied with over it's been months now I guess but uh, there's a lot that has been going into it in terms of the new electronic music production that I'm learning and the podcasting and the audio processing and all that stuff and a lot of it's coming together and uh, I, I think what I'm producing is very cool i mean i like it and (laughs) it's it's getting really awesome and i i just i'm i just love that there's all these tools out there now for creators to use and easily or more easily put out content and express themselves and i'm learning these tools and finding out how i can utilize them and the whole process is fun but there's a lot to learn and of course i still have some inclinations to put out stuff that you know i i wanted to portray i wanted to portray what i want it to portray but at the same time as we've been talking about over the past weeks I also understand that, you know, once I put something out there, I have no control over how it's portrayed. So, yeah, I'm kind of getting comfortable with all that in terms of, I guess, integrating the subjective and objective sides and the creative and what's the opposite of creative, like creative and objective sides, whatever. (laughs) <laughs> practical yeah sure <laughs> but yeah you get to the, the gist but that's where I'm at now and hopefully once I get over once I so what I'm talking about in terms of my priority is the not bad advice podcast and the trailer mm-hmm. and yeah that's very very close I see the end now and I'm comfortable with with what I have now so it's very close to being finished and then i think once that's finished it's just going to cascade from there and you know i'll have all this knowledge and skills to do what i want to do with all the other stuff and so yeah i'm kind of at that transitional phase right now and i guess that's that cool i'm excited (laughs) to hear it yeah, I'm excited to share it. <laughs> and so, yeah, do we have anything else you want to talk about? Um, What's going on with the stars? Well, so something that I've been learning about is um, is Hellenistic astrology. And there's this idea of... Um, what's called perfection years. So every year of your life has like a theme. And... Uh, it's based on your age, but it's different for everyone based on uh, where the 
planets were when they were born, basically like what sign, what sun sign you're born under, your, where your ascendant is, um, it, it changes. So um, you and I are both currently in what's called a fifth house perfection year, but and the fifth house is about creativity. Mm. So we're both going through um, creative processes right now, but in very mm. different ways mm. because you have um, Jupiter that rules your fifth house. So um, in your chart, Jupiter, uh, so the, the line that I have here is, is that Jupiter promises to produce self-esteem, worth, and value for you through creation and fun in collaboration. Mm. So over the last year, you've been building self-esteem mm. and yeah. you know, kind of like building up your feelings of worth through mm. the creation that you're doing with music and mm. podcasting with me. So I think that's really interesting. But what's more interesting, I think, is looking ahead to next year when that moves into your sixth house, which is the house of like work and what you do every day. Mm -hmm. So, um, in the next year, what I have written down is that um, you will be, I went to the wrong page, <laughs> for the next year I have written down, uh, this is when Mars will rule your year. So, it will be that Mars promises to deliver self-assertion self and identity and skill and competence through collaboration and aspirations. So mm. it's like that we, we're going to continue building all of this stuff together as we both move into the sixth house year of work. We're like, mm. right now we're doing all this cre this creation and like building new stuff. And then we're going to transition in this period of it work, it being work and mm. like in a good way though. Yeah. And, that, and that we build, um, that you're going to build self-assertion and identity through that work. So I'm actually really excited to see what comes out of the next year. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> it seems pretty accurate with the path that we're on. Yeah, we'll see what happens in uh, in three years when we move into the eighth house perfection year, which has to do with inheritance, death, and other people's money. Oh, so, yeah. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting concept. I'm just starting to learn about it, but it's really fun. Yeah, I, I like it, and it's very cool in terms of a reflective process. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I find it fascinating in that regard. So, cool. Well, yeah, let's uh, close it there this week. And Pam, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, where I am at Pamela underscore Lund. And you might be able to find me on Twitter at CK Disco, and you might be able to find me on Instagram at Disco Bleep. <laughs> and yeah, we'll see where it goes from there. So I'm gonna go follow you. <laughs> Thanks for everyone for listening this week, and thank you to Pam for joining me as always. Mm -hmm. And I hope you all come back next week and keep on practicing. Toodaloo. <laughs>